Hi, I'm Chris, and I'm an addict in remission. And we've been talking to Daniel about his journey of recovery uh, and why the 12-step program has been important to him through his life experiences in recovery. And uh, today, we're moving on to the next uh, episode, which is episode five, from Destroying to Rebuilding. And I'm really looking forward to that because I know how much that takes to do that, but to be able to rebuild, we have to recognize what we've destroyed uh, in our addiction. So, Daniel, thank you. And I'm really looking forward to this. And so tell us, what, what do you mean from the destroying to rebuilding? Hey, Chris, once again, great to be here. Uh, always privileged to get these opportunities and love telling stories. I think uh, stories help people. So I don't know, um, you know, uh, Daniel, addict in recovery as well. Um, I've never seen uh, an addictive cycle in my own life not end in absolute destruction. Um, relationships that get damaged, um, you know, faces and places and memories and uh, people's opinion of you, how, how people view you, you know, what your, what your um, testimony in a sense is in terms of who you are. And when you're living in a cycle of ongoing relapse, uh, there's, there's a, there's a, there's a, the proverb says that hope deferred makes your heart sick. So when you keep giving hope and it's deferred, um, what happens when you actually relapse? You defer hope to all those around you. Rebuilding is so difficult. Healing is so difficult. If I look at the journey that I'm on now and I look at the brokenness that still needs healing around me and today I can talk open and honestly about my family, um, in my brokenness and through all the abuse, I was massively into people-pleasing. And uh, people-pleasing falls out of the category of who's in your house and more into everyone who's around your house. Every other person on the planet, um, trying to please them, trying to make a name for myself, trying to you know, please other people, give them what they want. And then coming home to your family who actually need you and you are just dead tired. Not available. Not available, you know, uh, not present. Okay, and I am working through the pain of rebuilding a family because I can tell you, I can walk into a business, um, going to work in the day is easy, I can put a process in place and fix something. But when I get home, I can't fix that. Uh, that's beyond me. And so my reality is that um, I want to talk about running out of willpower um, I got you know, saved and I've spoken about that, finding my higher power, having a real incredible encounter. And I had nine years of sobriety and my road was solid. Um, my faith was solid. Everything was solid, but I didn't realize that I was holding myself together. Before I found the 12-step program, I didn't realize I was holding myself together through willpower. You're going to run out of willpower. There is no amount of willpower that can overcome Addiction. Yeah, that's good. Okay. There is no amount of self-effort that keep you clean till the day you die. And um, I wouldn't even take a headache tablet. I mean, for nine years, I was ruthless. You know, um, I, I knew how alcohol and drugs had destroyed me and my family. I knew how it destroyed my family before me. And um, I found myself again in a, in a Christian environment that was more religion-based and more rule-following than it was relationship. And I lost that relationship with my truth. And it became about the activity of staying clean. It became about the activity 
of, um, you know, not messing up. And um, you walked into my life, Chris, some time back and you said you're a dry drunk. And I, and I think that's the case. You know, there's nothing worse than an addict myself, speaking of myself, that's not healed because you can't do anything. You know what I mean? It's New Year's Eve. I sit miserable at home. I'm not my when you say you can't do anything, what do you mean? You can't? Well, you know, you, you're trying to stay clean. So, so you're not, you don't want, in other words, doing nothing is not using. Doing nothing is not using. But you're either going to be happily recovering or unhappily recovering. And so, look, we're talking about destruction here. So you become, I became very judgmental. So the further away I was from using, the further away I was from being at the bottom, the further away I was from my life being a mess, so I would compare myself to others. And this is where the destruction comes in because you've got to get to a place where you want to see others healed. Otherwise, you become a judge. You know, well, you haven't got your life sorted out. Well, you're drinking. Well, you're smoking. Well, you haven't sorted this out. And for me, my recovery without a program became intoxicating because of how I would treat everyone around me. And so even though I wouldn't be using, I would be destroying relationships, you know, and isolating myself. I was the most isolated I've ever been. And who gets the brunt of your isolation? Those closest to you. Those you meant to love. Those you meant to pour your life into. Uh, those you meant to leave who you are into the next generation. Those are the, those are the relationships I started to destroy. And when I ran out of my willpower... I hit a very bad brick wall and I ended up in a psychiatric hospital and I ended up under a psychologist, psychiatrist who, who put me on 16 pills. And the day that script was written out, and this is a controversial topic because guys will fight you on this, but that was my relapse. That was my relapse out of, from willpower back into a place where I needed to find surrender. Yeah, Danny, I think that's a, a really really amazing way of describing your relapse from your willpower um, and then it enabled you to go into surrender. And, I, and people always get quite devastated about relapses, you know, particularly the family, uh, how a relapse is such a terrible thing and they're going to have to start all over again. There are so many relapses that I know I've had that I realized every time I had a relapse, yes, I lost hope, but I did learn. And I began to learn more and more about the power of this disease of addiction. Uh, that I thought I could do this and I thought I could do that. And every time I thought I could, I couldn't because I went straight back into uh, active addiction in a moment. Yeah, Daniel, I get that. And, and Daniel, I just want you to go in a little bit more and just explain more about the rebuilding that you've had to go through in recent times. And from, you know, the relapses that you've had, what you believe you came out with when that happened. I know you were given a choice either to carry on using at that point in time or to actually start again with humility and understanding that this disease probably is more powerful than you originally thought and greater than your own will. Yeah, Chris, so, I mean, the painful yet um, amazing part of the story is burnout. Um, basically, I had a burnout, then I lost um, people that I loved in a row, two or three, um, and then not having a will to live anymore. So going from incredible success of sobriety to absolutely not wanting to be here. So how do you rebuild and, uh, you know, I, I, let's call it a suicide mission. I didn't want to live. I wanted to die. 
so I used to that point. And uh, my higher power had a different plan for my life. So in and out of hospital, in and out of rehab, um, not being home. You know, um, the, the reality of what I'm rebuilding now to see the hurt that still exists in those that who, who I love that I hurt the most. So what, what part of the program, you know, the 12-step program, are you using to do that? So, Chris, I don't think that I can point out one of the 12 steps in isolation that is incredible. I think the one that I have to keep revisiting and I'm sure other recovering addicts have to keep revisiting is handing over my will. Um, my will to use, if I think when I was on a mission, if I wanted a fix, there was a will to get it, no matter how far I had to drive, no matter how much it cost, no matter what the consequences were, I was going to get it. And so understanding that I can't heal people, okay? The only thing that's going to heal people is me being stable. So this is where consistency is the most boring thing. Let's talk about what's boring. Is that healing people from the hurt that you cause them? Healing people from the hurt that you cause them. There comes a time when sorry isn't enough anymore. Sorry means nothing if your behavior doesn't change. And so on my journey now and with you and, and, and for a while now, it has been about consistently living for today. You know, sobriety is a today thing. Not using is a today thing. Um, allowing my emotions to bottom out. Um, you know, emotions are not evil. It's, it's what you do with them um, that, that counts. So in your anger, do not sin. You know, don't do the wrong thing. Um, but I, I was so numbed uh, when I was intoxicated that I didn't care how others felt. I could not feel the pain of my family. I could not feel the pain of those closest to me that had lost their jobs, the businesses that got lost, the business partners that took stuff, all the stuff. I couldn't feel anything. I couldn't feel any compassion even for myself. I, wanted, I just wanted it over. And the only over for me was out. Um, I was in a place where nobody wanted anything to do with me. I was chucked out of everything. Um, even re religion, uh, religious societies chucked me out, said God's kind of given up on you. So how do you go from rock bottom where you don't want to live back into full swing and rebuilding a life? Rebuilding a legacy, okay? And any recovering addict that's relapsed to that place, that's hit that rock bottom, that knows where... Like people want nothing to do with you. Kids don't want to talk to you. Your wife says it's over. Um, anything association you're with says we're done with you. What do you do? I mean, that's coming back from the place of no return. Okay, and I, I wanted to go there for a second. And what saved me is um, a friend of mine now. Uh, he is a pastor. He phoned me every day for two weeks. And he said, come sleep on my couch. I didn't know him. And I was like, you're weird. Leave me alone. Okay, and we spoke earlier about uh, how the financial things turn around when you, you know, find submission and stuff. But he phoned me for two weeks. I got to his house. I was still intoxicated, but he put me on his couch. And the long to the short side of the stories, I slept on a couch for three months. And I had somebody unconditionally love me, unconditionally show me the love of my higher power, the love of Christ, that even when I had let Christ down, I had let people down, I had let society down, I'd let staff down, I'd let so many things and people and places down that you're never too far gone for God to rewrite your story. 
Um, and so I'm enjoying the journey now. I have an incredible relationship with my family, but my whole life has turned upside down in the sense of what's important to me now is not what used to be important to me. And what's, what used to be important to me bears no bearing on me anymore. And I'm very selective around who I allow into my life, what voices I allow to speak into my life, um, the places and faces that I, that I frequent, and my family are first. My family are first and foremost because I need to live this life. The day that my line gets drawn and I move on to eternity, I want to see all the healing of the past in my children, that they have healthy relationships, that they love their dad, that there's a eulogy at the funeral that says this man had integrity, he blew it, and he was sinful, and he had problems, but he fought. He kept getting back up. He kept facing the next day. And the, the, the reality of working the 12-step program with you, Chris, and now even facilitating sessions is you can't stop. Your recovery is a lifelong journey, and you have to lifelong work it. Uh, and that's what, something I wanted to bring up about, because that's the support system that you've talked about around you. And I know up until recently, uh, for you, uh, you, you were very adamant that you didn't want to be part of uh, the so-called fellowship meetings, of uh, the support groups, um, because on mine, that's been imperative throughout my recovery, that that's my recovery, that I've had to have support groups and all the rest of it. How's that going for you now as far as, yes, you've got your you've got people around you, you've got people of accountability around you, you've got the family around you, you've got your counselling, but what's happening as far as beyond that in the support groups? So when I met you, I told you I'm not coming to NA meetings. Um, my thinking on NA is I have to stand up in a room every time I get there and say, hi, I'm Daniel and I'm an alcoholic. And for me, I had to keep mentioning my dysfunction. But uh, after spending time with you and walking a long road with you, uh, it's important, not from a point of you staying in your brokenness, realizing I had to f hit my head so many times not going into support groups by relapsing because I didn't want to get this thing of disease. I did not want to say I have a, a problem, and that comes from my perfectionism and my high achieving. I couldn't admit that I have an area of my life that I'm defeated in. You know, that's, that, that's got a hold on me, that's actually bigger than me, that's actually keeps smacking me down onto the floor. And so that's been my journey to admit, listen, I'm powerless. And, and, and not powerless in the sense of, you know, I lose it all tomorrow. No, just if I don't remember that it's always there and it takes one bad decision to open the door and lose everything because building you lose you can lose 30 years of building in 30 seconds of failure okay many guys end of their life they blow it boom everything they did that was good is forgotten okay so my babies my wife my family you the fellowship um my church my elders my everything that is built around me can I live in a place where it's big enough to, to say I don't want to disappoint these people? Not out of people pleasing anymore. Out of if I'm not transparent, okay, about when things are going tough because business happens and pressure happens and month incomes and people, more people means more problems. And I love my people, so don't hear what I'm saying. But people, people have great privilege of being around your life, but they also require energy. So I, I get that 100%, but I'm just really sort of getting to the point from where we're talking about from destroying to rebuilding is rebuilding uh, your life back up again, prim 
primarily your recovery has to be probably first. Otherwise, if you don't have recovery, then you're not going to be good to anybody else. You know, and and sort of bringing it back to the to the support groups is to rebuild in the context of the twelve step program. You need meetings. You need common. You need commonality and people around you who are not going to judge you, who are going to love you for who you are. Um, I mean, is that part of where your rebuilding comes in? So, Chris, the only area I'm selfish in um, that's left is my recovery. If uh, I mean, I've I've got friends that that drink. I don't judge anybody. I've got friends that smoke. I don't judge anybody. But if I'm if I go into that environment, I have a plan. So I will say I have a meeting, and often I'll go dial into an NA meeting in the corner of the lounge because temptation is going to be all around you. So again, where we used where I used to be in this place of entitlement and judging others that are still in a place where they don't have an issue with substance, um, I have to protect myself. And so that that area is very selfish for me in terms of my higher power and the program and the accountability. I start my day with a quiet time. I need his perspective. I need my higher power's perspective for the day. Okay, the meetings have become non-negotiable for me because in a meeting there's healing. You're hearing someone else's story, and you and I have even transitioned now to where I'm helping others, and I think that is a massive place of healing because the minute you're starting to carry others, and you know that you can bring them to the same place you are from where they are, remembering where you come from, which is all part of the program. Which is all part of the program. The minute you're doing that, well, you don't want to blow it, you know. And again, coming back to your your very inner your very inner circle. When I get home, I want my phone off as much as possible. I want to be present. Um, my kids may have bad memories from the past, but they will have good memories in the future. And it's building intentionally every single day, rebuilding what what I know I broke down. And and that's important because to sum up this particular podcast is really to talk about others in the rebuilding process of our rebuilding. But it also is them rebuilding as well because of the chaos of the addiction being a family disease has brought them well into it while you are active and also while you're not active, while you're in remission. There's a lot of things that have got to start being rebuilt, and one of them is trust. Um, I don't uh, if you would just expand on that for you as far as the, the trust element of the people we'd hurt and damaged during our active addiction to moving that into rebuilding into something, a whole new life is ahead of you, but it's not going to be if you don't have trust from those you hurt. So this comes into this area for my life, and I speak for myself, but I know that I have a calling. Um, that's another whole topic of conversation because that language is very much linked to my higher power. But I try and live a life of transparency, which is the hardest thing to do in terms of Everything is open for scrutiny. Um, you're on a chat with my wife called Help. You and two other people that I trust. That because sometimes I don't realize my behavior is heading me toward a relapse. So my wife has a help chat. So the, re the relapse is the last part. The, the relapse is the last part. So a, everything a, else is building up to a, that point. A week before that you relapse. Yeah. Okay. Because the minute... decided. Yeah. The minute I'm under pressure the old behavior kicks in and I don't see it, but those closest to me do. And so, you know, I mean, we can talk about it, we can laugh about it, but you, that, the, the message goes out on help. The next thing, there's an intervention, there's a conversation, you, you've got me in a corner somewhere and I'm getting taken on. Why? Because I desperately don't want to go back. 
Okay, you need to make a decision. But you also sometimes don't want to hear what people have got to say to you. I don't like being told what to do. Let's just be honest, you know. A man in authority who's not under authority is dangerous. So, you know, I, I don't like being told what to do. But every intervention that I've gone through that's saved the relapse, I'm grateful for. And, and so just as, as I say, sum it up, is in your rebuilding process. Where's trust now stand with the people around you? How long has that taken? That is, that is not even at play in a lot of relationships yet. So I think the most heartbreaking thing is that I measure my progress on celebrating a milestone of being clean for three years. Um, whereas they're not there yet because the hurt was so intense and the fear that comes over those when you start the behavior, you gotta, you gotta get sensitive to how real that is. Um, so, so for me, trust is gonna be built. Okay, there I have to trust God. I have to trust my higher power to heal my family around me because I can't heal anything. But all I know is that today I stay sober, today I do my best, today I build good memories, and you know what? He'll help build a better tomorrow because if I do my part, okay, you have a part. If you don't pitch up to the meeting, okay, if you don't decide to surrender, all right, if you don't decide to be transparent, well, you know, you're an island on your own and it's only a matter of time. Time bomb ticking for another blow up. I just don't want that in my life anymore. I, I live with the intense reality that tomorrow could be my last day. And what was the last thing I did? What was the last thing I said? And were my babies, those that I'm supposed to care for? And will my wife say, you know what, that man, yes, he pulled it together. Because it's not about how you start. It's about how you end. And this thing of going from victim to victor is a process, but it's doable, it's possible, it's real, it's life. does not mean you overcome every failure and you don't make mistakes. It means that people see genuine transformation in your life. And that's what will bring trust. Trust is not my issue. I'm not there to get people to trust me. I have to stay submitted, walk my journey, and that journey has to be selfish. If I don't love my higher power, and my sobriety above everything around me, then it ain't going to happen. That's a great way to finish. Thank you, Daniel. Amazing. So there we have it. That's the end of this particular episode. And uh, I just, once again, have learned so much again from you, Daniel, and this recording. And I look forward to the next one. So the next one, yes, is going to be walking out of the old and into the new. And with that, we're going to say bye for now. And remember... Stay safe and keep it clean. <laughs>